We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Greetings Tarnished, and welcome to another episode of the Elden Archives. I am AK Spartan. I'm Gatsu. And we have a big episode planned this week as we talk about what we already know about Mikola and what we think we're going to find out in the upcoming DLC. Guys, this is a pretty big week. We've been talking about, actually, we've been talking about Mikola and bits and pieces for a few weeks now, haven't we? We have. I mean, honestly, uh, with the temptation of not going too into it, finally paying out, this is going to be a pretty big episode for the both of us i feel like well yeah and it's i find it interesting because uh you you say it's a big episode to both of us i say you know we've been talking about mikola for a few weeks and we we have been because there's connections to mikola that came up in the america episode the radigan episode the Imperians episode and yet this isn't even a character that we can meet or at least speak to in game yeah no not at all because we can find the because we can find the body we can't talk to Mikkel or there's no interaction where we're or not even like with America where you can get Melina saying America's words. You don't really even get that. Yeah, no. And even when we do find the body, we don't even get to see the full thing. It's trapped inside that cocoon. Like my point in saying that is just we don't talk to Mikkel. All we get is an arm. The confirmation we have that that is Mikkel comes from Moog's boss runes item description. The Remembrance of the Blood Lord, which talks about Moog sharing his bloody bedchamber with the young Empyrean and getting no response. That's what tells us that that's Mikkel's body. So as a starting point, like we just said we have been talking about Mikkel a lot lately. What what do we already know about Mikkel? Well, if we pop back a couple weeks to episode four, we were talking about Radigan of the Golden Order. And Mikola had a part in this because he was at one point a fundamentalist who had gifted his father with this new spell, I guess you would call it. But Mikola himself, he came up with the triple rings of light, which I will go over the description. This one of the incantations of the Golden Order fundamentalists produces three rings of light and fires them forward. The rings of light return to position close to the caster before disappearing. This incantation can be cast repeatedly, but the main point that we're picking from this is a gift from young Mikla to his father, Radigan. Well, and we could even, because I think that's actually an interesting starting point, because that absolutely tells us, a few, uh, one, that Mikola was involved in Golden Order fundamentalism. But I think uh, even more of just like a basic starting point there is the confirmation that Mikola is the son of Radigan, because that establishes Mikola as both a demigod. And then like we were talking about last week, Mikola being Mikola and Melania, both his twin sister, being the children of a single god, as the item description of the remembrance of the rock goddess, which is Melania's boss soul, talks about Mikola and Melania being Empyreans because they were born of a single god. That also indicates Mikola as an Empyrean. So as we're talking about him creating an incantation and being involved in Golden Order fundamentalism, because I do want to, I would do want to double back to the fundamentalism, because that's, I think that's a very interesting part of his character or what we know about his character already. Zooming out just a little bit, 
He's also an Empyrean and a demigod before anything else. And according to Melania, is the most fearsome of the demigods and possibly the most powerful. And now that's his twin sister. And that's, you know, she she fights for him. You know, she's clearly loyal to his cause. So maybe there's a little bias there. But another Empyrean has told us that this is the most fearsome Empyrean. We just haven't seen it yet. And and I think just establishing Mikula as both an Empyrean which we talked about last week, and simply just a, a not just a demigod, but a demigod from the royal family of demigods. Because like we know that there were other demigods that were alive before the Night of Black Knives and before things like that, but that not all of them were as as close to the main lineage of the royal family or like America's like America's line as being a direct son of America and Radigan. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, the fact that we know that there were all these other demigods, but they weren't even we don't know what they look like. We don't know what their names are. They kind of fell to the wayside. So it, I think it just brings an extra importance to this relationship and seeing how it unfolded. So let me ask you this. What do you think Mikola's title would have been or was in the lands between? Because like everybody had a job. Think about it. Like Radon was the general. Riker was the Praetor Riker. So he was the head of the Inquisitors. All of the main children had a job. The only two I can think of that didn't were Morgoth and Moog, who were in the sewers until everything fell apart because they were Omen. For those who don't know what I'm talking about there, the Omen in the lands between had a really hard life. And I'm not going to get into that now, but basically they were, if you were born an omen in the capital, you were thrown into the sewer, you were killed. And you were only thrown into the sewer if you were rich. Or not rich, if you were royal. But, I, I mean, could it have been as some sort of researcher or, or scholar? And that is how he was so involved. Because like, we had mentioned maybe he, he was closer with Radigan, and that's why you see them making gifts for each other, because he was, you know, stuck inside doing research. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but to the best of my knowledge, the only title that I remember Mikola having is Mikola the Unalloyed in like reference to like the unalloyed gold, the metal that he creates for millennia. Well, and yeah, and that's and that's almost like Rikard Lord of Blasphemy. That's like that's like a title in a different sense. I'm more of me like like literally his job title, like Radon was the general, like Rikard was the praetor. He was the head inquisitor, like each one of them was involved in the actual like government and or day to day living of the lands between and the capital. Do you, like, would he have been? Like the head of an academy? Would he have been like the head of a school? Not, not, not Ray Lucaria Academy. That's a different, but, but I mean, Lane Dell obviously was researching things. Lane Dell was obviously doing things with the Golden Order and fundamentalism. And like I said, I just, I just, I wonder what Nicholas' title would have been. The idea that he's, you know, a researcher or a scholar in some sort of sense isn't too far reaching in my mind, because the reason why I brought up his title, Mikola the Unalloyed, is because he had to have discovered this way of creating this metal. You know what I mean? The Unalloyed, the Unalloyed Gold, you're saying? Yeah. So for him to be like a researcher or like something like that, it would make a lot of sense. I think it makes sense as well. I, I almost would say he would be some sort of like head researcher. See, I don't I'm not in research. But I don't know what that's, but I, I could easily see him being the head of a, a research project or, or some type of high ranking official within fundamentalism. And actually brings up another thing that I find interesting because Mikola is one of the only characters that is, seems universally beloved, but also part of his ability seems 
we don't know, but seems to deal with maybe charming or influencing others. And he was not only seemingly close with his father from what you had mentioned with the Radigan Rings of Light item description and the uh, Triple Rings of Light item description, but also... He seems very close with his twin sister, Melania, because part of the item description for one of those incantations, the Radigan's Rings of Light, which was the gift that Radigan gave back to Mikola after the other incantation was the gift Mikola gave to Radigan. It mentions that Mikola abandoned fundamentalism because it couldn't treat Melania's accursed rot. And why I bring that up here is because that's when he began messing with what ended up being the unalloyed gold. So he was working on and studying fundamentalism before he did what you just brought up and branched off, made his own big discovery, and then started taking his own pursuits in that way. He did all of that specifically to help his sister. Right. I mean, the relationship between Mikola and Melania is definitely an outlier here in the lands between. I have a question for you, actually, because we were talking about his role and it made me wonder, do you think there's a possibility that perhaps they didn't give Mikola a role so that he took upon this task of curing his sister by himself? Uh, Probably not. I I don't think so, Um, just because I don't think Mikola had to do really anything by himself. I mean, because there's an entire city slash hallig tree full of people and creatures and, and just beings of the lands between waiting for his return and honoring him and worshiping him. It would seem to me that he was able to overcome his physical limitations of his curse, because that's another thing we know about him, is that we know specifically what his curse was. Being an Empyrean born from a single god, he and Melania were cursed. We don't know exactly why that specific thing makes them cursed. We just know that that is why they are cursed. But Melania's curse was obviously the Scarlet Rot, but Mikola's was eternal youth. So with that in mind, he probably certainly had some physical limitations and things of that nature. But I don't think he ever was short of people around him trying to help him. Even if he were even when he was splintering away from fundamentalism, I'm sure that there were a contingent of people that believed in him and were were willing to follow him, even if they were under his influence, perhaps, because, again, We don't really know exactly what his abilities are, but there is a pretty frequent mention of him having the ability to sway others and kind of make others, you know, like him or want to do things for him that that the power of influence could be that great. So I I always would I've always assumed that he had a pretty large contingent of people willing to help him. This is. This is purely a theory on my end. There's nothing really supporting it. But I always kind of wondered what if uh, Mikola went to Moog instead of Moog taking him away? What if Mikola influenced him but to change him into something else so that he no longer had this curse of eternal youth? I thought that also that may be a, a possibility. Well, and actually, I would argue that there's two examples of Mikola doing this for his siblings, because we actually we talked about this a little little bit in the Night of Black Knives episode, but uh, thinking about the golden epitaph item description, there is a straight sword where Mikola, or it doesn't name Mikola specifically, but it talks about the sword commemorating the prayer of a young boy speaking, oh brother, oh brother, or something along the lines of, oh brother, oh brother, please die a true death. There's not many people that could be referring to, but Godwin. Godwin didn't have a lot of brothers. And especially not many that were young boys when Godwin would have died. It would seem we don't know a lot about the eclipse and all that yet or where Mikola possibly went. But 
Mikla also seemingly started the Halleck tree and, and, and everything of that nature to provide a sanctuary for displaced peoples or disparaged peoples of the lands between, it seems. I mean, the, the Albanorics think, uh, see that as the promised land, but also, as we talked about, doing everything he could, breaking away from fundamentalism and finding unallied gold, uh, to stop, to stop Millennia's rot, but then also trying to protect Godwin and ensure Godwin passed on completely and save Godwin's soul. So he's been pretty selfless in sacrificing for two of his siblings and also showed an effect of gratitude to his father. But here's something that has got me thinking. Mikola seems to be connected to dreams and influence and things of that nature. And part of why I say that is the presence of Mikola's alter ego, St. Trina, who we know even less about. We basically just know that potentially, similar to a Merica Radigan situation, they could be the same person. But because I think of the biggest question that I keep coming back to that makes me think that Mikola is the grand architect of a lot more than we know and is pulling the strings in a lot more ways is how did Moke even find the Halleck tree without like because I, I almost feel like Mikola showed Moke the Halleck tree in a dream to, to get this whole thing started you know what I mean yeah I could see that you know being a possibility for sure because I, I wondered the same thing well and also on top of that like I was curious how Moke even managed to get him away from the Halleck tree without Melania at least putting up a fight. Well, I just would assume that because she was away fighting wars for God knows how long. We, we don't know how long she was away. We, we know she fought Radon. We know it took her a long time to get back from fighting Radon because she was incapacitated and uh, was carried back by one of the uh, clean rot knights. So that probably took a very long time. The wars themselves probably took a very long time. She she also fought Godric at some point because we know that she humbled the absolute shit out of Godric. We know that from one of the sword graves and limb graves, which tells us that God, Godric insulted her basically and then had to grovel to stay alive so so she she was busy i i just always assumed that it happened then yeah no at that point because i i always kind of assumed that mick uh melania had just gotten back to the hallock tree because that's where you find her is she's upset about her brother being missing so in my in my mind she has gotten back from her fight with radon the one where we see her getting carried off back to the hallock tree to then discover that her brother had been taken so i think that's where that at least personally, that's where that timeline kind of falls. So yeah, like you said, it it would make sense that she was not around to stop Mikola from being taken. It, well, yeah, and I think that's the interesting thing about it. I definitely agree. I definitely agree about. Melania coming back and finding Mikola gone. I also think that I, I find it interesting because that's kind of the last thing we currently know about Mikola. Like the fact that Mikola is currently in the cocoon down in the, in the Mogwin Palace, experiencing God knows what horrors at the hands of the Moog inside the cocoon. Or I, I always assumed it was a, a dream state because Moog comes out in blood. And so I always assumed he was coming out of like Mikola's mind or Mikola's dream of some kind. You know what I mean? Because it's, it's not like Moog is physically then in the cocoon. Right. So he's either asleep or, or dead or whatever, whatever. Say he's not conscious. And that's where he's been for God knows how long. But also the arm sticking out of the cocoon does not look very childlike. No, it does not. Which again, it made me think that's, that was Mikola maybe a attempting to change what he looked like get rid of this eternal youth curse that's at least what it, it read as my mind 
Yeah, I I definitely think that Mikolo would want to change his form. I mean that because it seems like that is one of his only limitations. I mean the 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 eternal the eternal youth uh if if cured would seem to be a pretty big benefit to Mikolo who like clearly is is very intelligent as as he is capable of creating incantations and studied fundamentalism and and discovered unalloyed gold and worked with that. So he's clearly a, a being of great intelligence. If he also were to remove himself of a physical condition that limited his physical capacity, I think he would be incredibly formidable. And like Melania, like I said, Melania refers to him as the most fearsome Imperium. And I think because, I mean, if you really think about it, what other options would Mikola have? Yeah, I, 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 I think it's interesting for sure, because that kind of seems like this, the running theme of what we know about Mikola to this point, because we know that he tried very, very hard to cure the Scarlet Rot. And figure out everything with the unallied gold. And we do have Mikola's needle, which can cure the frenzied flame, um, and other, uh, afflictions of the outer god. So like he, he's like succeeded to an, to a point, but we can only use it in the, you know, by jumping back in time at a late game area, Fair Missoula. And the item description for the needle itself mentions it being incomplete. So what I, what I was, what I'm getting at is that he didn't really end up being able to save Melania. He wasn't able to save Godwin. And it just kind of seems like that. That's, that's kind of the thing that keeps coming back up with Mikola is like he's got all of this influence. He's got all of this ability to make all these great sweeping changes, but he just keeps coming up a little bit short every time. That's why you see him potentially do something like enter the cocoon, try to go about some type of metamorphosis. And the thing there, the fact that it is a cocoon and being in the hallow tree, I think that there's a decent chance that he would have gotten rid of his human form without Moog, which is why I wonder if, because I, the, the biggest thing that keeps telling me that he was trying to get Moog to do that was that I don't know how Moog would have found the Hallow Tree otherwise. But on the flip side of that, I mean, he is already in a cocoon. We're going to talk about, because there's a lot of cut content so far around Mikola, some of which might come back up in the DLC, some of which might not. And, and we want to talk about just cut content in general and how that can impact something like this. But a lot of that talks about abundance and that Mikola's great rune as, you know, a demigod, because every demigod has one, would have been abundance. And so I think if there, if that's the association being made with Mikola, perhaps he was growing himself anyway. And Mo interrupted this. I, I think the image of it being a cocoon, being kind of in the, like, if you look at the roots that make that person where the cocoon was is kind of like in the womb of the people roots in a weird way. So it was like, he was already kind of like in a womb. Like, I just think there's a chance that he would have shaken the curse of eternal youth either way in that Moog is interrupting something. I I think very much that both of those are possible. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a good point. I think he could have potentially had gotten closer if he was left in the Hallow Tree in that cocoon. I'm not quite sure whether or not he would have actually succeeded in completely removing himself from the curse. Because, as we've already mentioned, Mikola's tried to help his other demigods twice. And he's failed. I don't want to, you know, doubt his ability too much. 
but there seems to be a recurring theme of trying to do something good, coming up with a solution that's not fantastic, but it still works while still looking for something. So I don't think he would have necessarily stopped Mikola. That's not something that he would have done, just stop and give up, gave up. But I don't think it would have necessarily been a perfect um, reincarnation or rebirth. Probably would have been super close, though. A lot closer than whatever Moog's going for. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Yeah, well, and, and I just think that... I, I, I wish some of the things that we were about to talk about, like the Great Rune of Abundance and things of that nature, had been left in the game. And so, just to jump into that, as as we move into the the final segment here that we that we want to talk about, Mikola has probably the most cut content related to him out of any character in Elden Ring at this point. And I think before we get into what that all is for Mikola, I just on a general note, like we felt like it was important to talk about cut content because even though it's not in the game, it can provide insight to the creative intentions or creative plans, even if it was just at one point of the process, in the process of the, you know, the game designers, the writers and things of that nature. Something like finding out that this character or that character used to be connected to a quest line or used to be connected to a faction, you know, can at least provide some insight about what this character might have been planned to be at one point. But also, it still is cut content. So none of what we are about to talk about is currently actively in the game of Elden Ring. So as you're forming this with your own headcanons, working out what your theories might be, just keep that in mind because the stuff that we're getting into right now is not technically canonically in the game at the moment. And and actually, Gatsu, when we were planning this out, you had uh you had some some qualms about going into the cut content. So so why so you would be on the side of probably that cunt content should not be included in something like a discussion like this? Yeah, no, I mean I do agree with the fact that it is important to talk about. But I mean, you know me. I am a very like methodical and um i i don't want to speak on something that necessarily could be wrong because my main issue with it was it might not even show back up in the game and i you know i realize that's a little bit of a pessimistic way to look at it do I think there's a huge possibility? Yes. Because of the whole, you know, teaser uh, snapshot from a while ago where they show what we assume to be Mikola on the back of Torrent. 
going across this field in the lines between. But there's a there's a possibility that it might not, you know, Mikola's content might not come back around. However, I will say this at one point it was intended to be in the game. So I think it's important, you know, we at least bring it up. Right. And I don't think that's necessarily a pessimistic way to look at that. I I mean, we had a lot of actual in-game non-cut content regarding, I bring this up a lot, but regarding Londor in Dark Souls 3, and that was not included in the DLC whatsoever. So we've had an example where FromSoft gave us a bunch of lore pointing one way that was actual lore and then did a misdirect another way. We've also had examples where cut content was used in later DLC or cut content was used in a later game or something else. So I definitely both see your side of it, but also like, I mean, we both agreed that we should talk about it just because, just because it's more about the fact that this relates to Elden Ring in general. And this relates to Mikula or did relate to Mikula at one point. But I just think that it's one of those things where, or hang on, but let's look at, let's look at the actual cut content that we were going to talk about. The, I kind of already mentioned the first one, but the, the first thing that, uh, is indicated, uh, and this is all from the, uh, or hang on, but let's, but let's look at the, uh, the cut content that we've confirmed that I, I, I kind of mentioned a little bit already. I mentioned the, the great rune of abundance, uh, and going along with that, um, it seems like there was a twin blade, uh, Seemingly, uh, the abundance twin blade that there was, uh, a, seems like maybe a rough item description. The twin blade that contains the power of the rune of abundance, the holy power within the blade can call upon part of Mikola's own strength. And then another thing, there were a couple, seems like quests. Uh, it seems like Mikola was going to have his own major quest line which I want to talk about last because that seems very interesting. But then also it's Mikola. There's a note here that Mikola is, was connected to a, a quest line involving the merchants, um, the merchants that are associated with the frenzied flame and things of that nature. Uh, and it pretty much just indicates that a cut quest shows that Mikola under the disguise of St. Trina used to sing a lullaby to soothe the frenzy flame afflictions of the red eye merchants. To, to help them. And we also know from our own in-game experiences that the unalloyed or that Mikola's needle can be used to cure the frenzied flame because our player character, that's the only way that you can get out of the frenzied flame ending. If you, if you progress the frenzied flame ending to the point where you have been burned by the three fingers at the bottom of uh, the uh, Flamedale sewers, <laughs> You can only get out of that choice of ending by using Mikola's needle. And so I bring that up just to indicate, I mean, we still have evidence that was left in the game of Mikola working against the frenzied flame. So I could see where there would be room for a quest where he was doing the same thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I agree with you. The, the, cause the, the merchants, they also have, um, they also got co- content cut. 
Yeah, that's probably actually, I was just thinking that myself. It's funny that you say that because other than Mikola, I would probably say that the, the red eyed merchants are the, they're not like an individual. It's a, it's a group of people, but the red eyed merchants would be the characters that seem to have the most cut content around them outside of Mikola, outside of Mikola. Right. Mm, outside of that. Yeah. I think this definitely could have played a, a a big part, um, in the game, which I'm I'm not, I can't claim to know why they cut it. Well, and that's, but I I I I, I yeah, I I don't think that we're ever going to know necessarily why they cut it or if it came back. But I I think a different angle to look at it would be more of like because that's another example of Mikula helping others. We keep getting so many examples of Mikola helping others that even in cut content, he has another quest line that you were going to be able to do where he's helping another faction or another person. And he's helping them with an affliction. He's helping them manage their frenzied flame. Yeah. No, uh, I'm willing to say that Mikola is, if, if not the only nice person in the lands between and definitely one of the few who's just genuinely like selfless and seems to have given themselves the purpose of helping others who seem to not be able to help themselves in whatever regard. Because for Mikola to be helping his sister, it's not a thing of, well, you can't take care of yourself. Melania's clearly capable it's more of just uh michael cares about his sister so he's taking care of her and that's not something that's apparent between the other demigod children or even anyone else in the land between i will i will say i do think that reichard and ronnie seem to be very aligned with one another i i don't think it's the only example of siblings helping each other out because reichard and we so some of this is less less out in the open than others, but I or I'm just jumping into that again. I will say this: I do think I do think that's a very good point. The only other example I can think of with siblings that definitely seem to go to great lengths for each other is Reichard and Ronnie. With my thoughts on like the Night of the Black Knives, there's some I I personally think there's some connections with the things like the Finger Creepers. And stuff of that nature. But you're right. You don't see a lot of siblings doing things for each other. And and to take it a step further, Mikola, it seems to be not done out of self-interest. Like, I think there's an argument that maybe Reichard and Ronnie could potentially have worked together on certain things out of self-interest because their goals align. But it seems like Mikola, it's more, it's more caring and, and, uh, sympathetic in nature when he's trying to help others the last of the 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 last of the cut content is is a pretty direct note that simply just says cut content shows that Mikola was saint trina of the cradle song now there is in-game lore that suggests this there is in-game stuff that you can find that is canonical lore to, to at this point that suggests that Mikola is Saint Trina. And I mentioned earlier about Mikola's alter ego potentially being Saint Trina and what that could mean. But 
there's also cut content that definitively would have had that being true. And so the, and so that's part of why I wanted to talk about all of this too, because the way a lot of this is set up, it, it almost feels to me at least like it was cut because some part of it wasn't ready. Or maybe it was just too big for like the the, the main game because I mean there, there's multiple quest lines here. Uh, I would assume that there was probably some more items involving sleep because you really only get uh, Saint Trina's torch and Saint Trina's sword in the game, um, which really impacts which impacts sleep. Uh, yeah, true, the arrows as well, and um, it's one of those things where I could just see. It's one of those things where it just feels like an entire um it's one of those things where it does seem like it fits up well to just be uh, parlayed over into the DLC and and I I think that's a good place to end it because as we've talked about uh, the basics and then kind of what has already happened so far with Nicola all things seem to point to Nicola being a core focus of the DLC. And so with that being said, as, as we wrap it up here, what, what thoughts or what interesting things might you want to see or just anything about Nicola and the DLC that you would like to see or that you think they're definitely doing? Maybe something about the boss fight. Let, let's just move into that for a little bit. Um, so I'm curious. Not necessarily, well, I'm still curious about, you know, the contents of the DLC, you know, who is it going to be about this and that, but I'm, I'm also curious about the, the, the setting, the, the, the timeline, because we're not unfamiliar with time being weird in Elden Ring and, you know, even in the other FromSoft games and from the, like I'd mentioned earlier, the, the kind of snapshot we got as a teaser announcing this DLC, you see, uh, you see, I'm assuming Mikola or someone who is a young person, they're riding torrent. And, you know, as a player of Elden Ring, and even if you haven't played it, you get torrent very early in the game. So I'm definitely led to believe that this is more of a uh, kind of a prequel of sorts to the events of the current state of the game. I'm almost curious. I want to say maybe we're even going to get in a glimpse into more of like the Shattering War. Like maybe we're going far enough back into a time before where that war maybe broke out. I think that'll be really interesting. Yeah, I think that I think that would be interesting. I, I definitely think that there is something with Nicola probably jumping around in time or trying to go back into a point where he had more time because it's a kind of like I said, that kind of seems like the thing he keeps running into is he couldn't help Melania, he couldn't help Godwin, but it's not that he doesn't have the capacity. He just seems to constantly be running out of time. Yeah. No, I agree with you. So, you know, it definitely makes me think like we're going back in time a little bit at least, you know, so we can get kind of more of a glimpse into 
how things went down, you know, specifically for Mikula. Well, we will know when the DLC comes out, which hopefully is soon. Yeah, there's there's been some noise there lately. There's been some more noise there lately, so fingers crossed. And of course, you know, when that comes out, and if there is more with Nicola, we will obviously jump back and revisit some of this. I'm sure we got things wrong in this episode as with some of our guesses and some of what we're talking about. I'm sure we got other things right. Hopefully we got more right than wrong because that's just how these go. But I'm definitely sure we got things some some things wrong or or maybe some things that'll change because that's one of the cool things about FromSoft is is that and nothing's ever set in stone. Things can always be kind of fuddled a little bit or moved around. Uh, and, and that's one of the things that I think makes it exciting. I definitely agree with you there. I'm, I'm very excited for this DLC to come out. I, um, I know I'm going to download a day one. That's just a, a fact of life at this moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah, probably, probably same here. I, 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 I can't remember the last time a DLC was this highly anticipated. Neither can I, because I want to say they announced this DLC. I mean, they announced it halfway through last year. Yeah, it was a long. T- it's been a long time. It's been. A, it's. It's been a long it's time. Been, which you know, I, I will say this. It. That definitely is a a factor as to why, you know, it might not sound like I'm super enthusiastic about it, which, which I am. I am very, I'm looking forward to it, but you got to keep in mind, I mean, you all might agree with me too, like we've been waiting for this for quite some time. Because I also, I mean, going into the game when I first started, I almost immediately assumed that there was going to be a DLC. There had to. There wasn't any way that there wasn't going to be one. At least in my eyes. Yeah, I, I would have I would have been surprised too. I would have been surprised too if there was no DLC. Right. Right. Not even just from like the lore perspective of finding out more of the story, but just from like on a business point, you know. From 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 Soft's perspective, this was a huge game. It it made waves all throughout last year. Yeah, I think From was probably surprised by how big the game got. I think everyone was surprised by how big the game ended up getting. I don't think I don't think it was like anticipated to be like the global phenomenon that it was. But I also I would have always been very surprised if there was no DLC. Uh, which, which I'm glad there is going to be DLC because we're going to be able to talk. Hopefully we learn more about Mikula. I know next week we're going to talk about Melania. We could probably learn more about Melania and the DLC. Any things of that nature. That is going to be our time for this week. As we talked about what we already know about Mikula, what we think we might not already know, and what we hope to find out. Like I said, next week we're going to talk about Melania. In the meantime... We still have our email. You can always contact the show. Uh, we are at, or we are theldnarchives at gmail.com. And you can send anything there, such as, you know, thoughts on episode ideas, feedback, you know, uh, if we got something wrong, if we got something right, uh, anything, anything of that nature can be sent there. You can also find us on Twitter. The show is at the L I am 
at Elton Spartan. And uh, Gatsu, what's your handle? I am at Gatsu995. That's me. And then we are also on the, uh, this is a Robots Radio Rocket Club show. And we are on the uh, Robots Radio Discord. You can find us there and you can chat with us there. Uh, and other than that, uh, we will be back again next week with more episode with another episode. And other than that, we will be back again next week with another episode. Until then, we will see you all at the foot of the earth tree. How well do you know your video game lovers? Have you ever wondered how your video game bays stack up against all the other delectable digital dates? I'm Genesis, the girl whose motto in life is love, laugh, tequila. And on Two Girls, One Ship, we analyze, rate, and review all that the world of video game romances has to offer. And I'm Vervada, the hopeless romantic cat lady and lifelong gamer. But you should know that our podcast centers on character and romance analysis and doesn't shy away from exploring the fun of physical connection. Or from the deep emotional connections built between two characters, using specific in-game dialogue and the overall narrative journey. So join the two girls, one ship, shipsters, and remember, beauty is in the eye of the controller.